Hi, I'm Grant Hogue from Boston Children's Hospital, and this is the Scoliosis Dialogues, the one and only official podcast of the Scoliosis Research Society. Um, a few updates uh, for listeners or those watching this on video. Um, IMAST early registration ends on March 11th. The meeting is in San Diego this year and looks to be an excellent program. The SRS abstract submission deadline is February 1st at 11.59 Eastern Standard Time. So make sure to have all of your data back from the statisticians and have your abstracts in in time. And so for our podcast today, we have the winners of the inaugural Douglas Burton Award for 2023's Best Adult Spine Deformity Manuscript. is named after Dr. Burton, who was actually featured on this podcast just last year and has served as deputy editor of Spine Deformity, the official journal of the SRS. Um, their project uh, that has won the award is entitled Proximal Junctional Failure After Surgical Instrumentation in Adult Spinal Deformity, a Biomechanical Assessment of Proximal Instrumentation Stiffness. And so we're fortunate to discuss this paper with lead author Mava Lopez and senior author Carl Ebert Oben. Thank you so much both for coming today. Thank you for, first of all, we are very grateful to have received the first Doug Burton Award in recognition to our research work and like to thank the SRS for this. Excellent. And so I'd say really maybe the, the first question for, for both of you and, and Mava, maybe you can answer first for us. Um, is that, you know, many, maybe most of readers of spine deformity are practicing physicians, but undoubtedly we lean heavily on brilliant engineers and people who have more of a biomechanical background than even, you know, perhaps we do. Um, and so how did each of you become interested in spine deformity and how do you leverage your knowledge and skills as an engineer to get us to do different things on the clinical side? Interesting question. So first, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Uh, for for this, I think that mainly it's a discussion between engineers and clinicians. So we need to make research and more understand the biomechanics of the spine to help spinal surgery. But mainly we need to focus our research in the ways that it can help. So clinicians. So, so anything I... to add to that? Yeah, just I would just like to add that over the past 30 years, uh, my main objectives in my research uh, lab was to address uh, from an engineering point of view, practical problems faced by the orthopedic surgeons for the treatment of complex spine deformity. And as uh, Meva mentioned, it's a, a, a closed dialogue uh, to really understand uh, the, the, the problems and see from a interdisciplinary point of view, how we can uh, bring uh, our uh, knowledge together to uh, help uh, uh, improve uh, the, the technologies uh, to improve the surgeries. And, and how did you initially become interested in spine deformity? <laughs> I, I can begin, like, because for me, it's kind of more easy. I was interested in biomechanics since my engineering diploma. I was more interested in spine biomechanics because I had the opportunity to begin the PhD with Kelly Rick. 
And this is where, so I found the subject really interesting. And to have those close dialogue with surgeons wants me to continue in this uh, thematic and being in my PhD. But then it's more like Karikazi at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. On my side, I was always interested by uh, the, 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 the pathologies, the, the medical uh, field, but from the, a technological point of view. So uh, uh, really uh, the type of research I'm doing is really, uh, really applied research close to uh, the clinicians, try to understand the problems and, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, bring uh, solutions. And, uh, but working together, we can improve things. So this is how, which has motivated me. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and so in my world, like junctional failure, junctional kyphosis, whether it's proximal or distal, is something that just keeps us awake at night, right? Whether you're taking care of, of children or adults, and so for you, what was the impetus uh, for this project in looking at the biomechanics of proximal junctional failure? Okay, first of all, uh, proximal junctional kyphosis or proximal junctional failure is uh, a complex, it's a complex uh, challenge because it's still uh, a problem uh, with uh, following long instrumentation and uh, uh, even if there are many uh, uh, identified risk factors, uh, 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 little is known about the importance of biomechanical factors uh, because it are, they, it's difficult to measure them clinically and, uh, and or control them in practice. So on your X-ray, you cannot see a force or a stress or a strain on, this, on, the, on the spine or uh, in the, on the construct. So this is where uh, we can bring uh, engineering tools, uh, the same that are used to uh, analyze uh, planes or other uh, structures uh, for the human body. So we are just trying using uh, those tools combined with uh, medical imaging and clinical practice to uh, uh, have a first order assessment of the uh, forces and stresses on the construct. And uh, using also other engineering tools, we can then uh, simulate and uh, test various options, various configurations, uh, do what if, if we do this, what if we do this instead of this, and then uh, figure out the, 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 the one that will put less stress on the construct and minimize the risks of further complications. That's excellent. And so in your paper, you, you talk about all of the different options. And so you used different rod thicknesses, right? So different rod stiffness, as well as different anchor points. So uh, laminar hooks, pedicle screws, and sublaminar bands. And so can you, can you speak a little bit about building this model in kind of the digital realm on a computer and also your methodology for validation? I can take this one maybe. Uh, for the, like, we, we previously have uh, developed multi-body model to enable the simulation of uh, spinal fusion. So we can, with that, have the assessment of biomechanical efforts. So as Kalek said, the forces and moments in the spine, the geometry, so the curvature of the spine at the end of the uh, simulated operation. And so this allow us to have the impact of various strategies, such as so which implant do you use in this article or which maneuvers do you use, which correction you choose. 
So this is a base uh, with a multibody model, which have the uh, physical loads to represent the spine and the instrumentation. Then we can also have uh, it adapted to each specific geometry of a patient. Using lateral and coronal radiographs, we will have the uh, 3D reconstruction to have the specific spec uh, geometry of the patient. And then we can also adjust the flexibility if we have the flexibility film tests. Uh, with that, so we can first, what we try to do is to ensure the representativeness of the, uh, of the patient and its surgery. So basically we are taking the uh, post-op radiograph of the patient and we compare every uh, main angle, such as thoracic kyphosis, lower doses and everything uh, to what we have simulated. If we have this representativeness, we can then try to uh, one at a time change a parameter. And this is where the numerical uh, model shine. So we can so test different implants or different roads and everything. So this is the baseline. Then for the uh, validation, so in a previous article, we have tried to follow the ISMEV and V4T guideline to validate for its context of use. So for all the entire of my PhD, it was for proximal structural kyphosis and failure. So basically we tried first to see if with biomechanical forces, we can see a difference between a cohort of uh, patients who have developed PGF and asymptomatic ones. We find that uh, mainly the sagittal moment at the UIV, uh, between UIV and UIV plus one on the anterior spine was uh, discriminating between those two cords. So, and then, so we can continue with simulations and try different type of implants and roads and see what may differ in terms of biomechanical force. Thank you. Thank you. May I just add that one also, uh, uh, another thing uh, which is original here is to assess uh, not only the forces and moments at the upper instrumented uh, segment, but also above, and to analyze the how the the forces are balanced when uh, doing various uh, with with various uh, rod curvature or uh, osteotomies or things like that. So we can also play with the model to figure out ways to best balance uh, the loads, and also. Um, in this paper, we also analyze the gradient, so the, the change of force between the instrumented and non-instrumented spine. So we found different, we compare various options, and there are ones that are, uh, let's say, that have a, a very important gradient of moment of forces that will more likely uh, be more risky to develop PJK as opposed to a more gradual change. So this is, these are additional things that we uh, introduce in this paper. It's one of the things you discuss in the paper is that as you, as you decrease stiffness to have a more gradual or even, you know, kind of the, the soft landing type atmosphere, um, you increase the possibility of rod breakage. And so what have you learned is kind of the sweet spot and can that be dialed in at a patient specific level? Yeah, I can take this one or Eva. The, 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 the thing is, it's very, uh, we need to be uh, careful not to generalize uh, for every case because every case is uh, different. It's uh, highly case specific. And uh, given the, the biomechan biomechanical nature of the risks, uh, we, we just, we need to use a, a, a customized um, approach and, and, and a patient specific approach to uh, balance the forces and minimize the transition of the 
the gradient of forces between the instrumented and non-instrumented. So we, we have seen in the paper that uh, a, 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 a less stiff uh, proximal construct is helpful, but depending of the uh, uh, presenting deformity, if there's a lot of correction this, uh, proximally, then uh, they will need some forces to do it. So we need to, so, so there, there could be different strategies depending of the presenting uh, deformities. And th this, this might be beyond the context of what you're presenting here, but would you say that these findings are most pertinent kind of in the immediate post-operative period before a fusion takes place? Or is the chosen construct still significant PGF variable um, after fusion is formed? I can take this one. Um, like the, this paper is mostly in this biomechanical model for just after surgery, before the fusion. Because first, it's, this is where the spine is the most unbalanced, and this is where you will have the most forces inside your spine and also your instruments. Then when you will have fusion to occur, you will probably have change of load that maybe really interesting to check for a uh, more uh, longer complication then also for pgf it's it normally appears within six months so before fusion so it was more appropriate to check after uh, before the fusion so yeah it, it would of course uh, there are also uh, other events that could uh, uh lead to pgf which are uh, uh like uh, accidents or things like that. So th this are additional things, but uh, uh, so the, uh, with the model, we can test alternate options. So for instance, if we'd like to see what happened after fusion, then we can reuse the model, but change the conditions in the model to address this other uh, interesting uh, question. <laughs> oh, excellent. Thank you so much. Sorry to make you speculate. Um, <laughs> and so as we, get closer to the, the end of the podcast. So what can we expect from your group in the future? Um, you know, perhaps even upcoming at IMAST or the SRS meeting. So th th this project is uh, continuing in my research chair. Uh, we have several uh, students, grad students and, and, and uh, research assistants uh, continuing to work on this uh, problem because it's not yet uh, solved. Uh, the idea is still to continue uh, for sure to develop clinical application tools to better plan instrumentation and uh, reduce the risks of uh, PJK and PGF. Uh, we uh, intend to combine uh, AI and uh, artificial intelligence, which are based on data of and, and patterns observed in large data sets, and also our uh, deterministic models, which are, uh, are based on fundamental laws of physics and mechanics. And uh, with those tools, with this tool, we intend to do multi-dimensional optimization. So not only taking into account the functional realignment of the spinal correction uh, by playing with the rod contour and the material and the type of uh, uh, implants, but also to minimize uh, the stresses and the forces in the construct to reduce the risk of PJK, uh, as well as to include other uh, uh, elements such as a value-based uh, value uh, approach that considers patient outcomes, um, economics, safety, uh, OR time, and other uh, 
elements such as uh, neurological risks, uh, cost, and so on. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, and so, uh, Dr. Lopez, Dr. Aubin, thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for this contribution to the literature. But even more than that, thank you for advocating for patient-specific, curated, and bespoke care. I hope you thank both. Thank you very uh, much. Yeah, I hope you both have a great day, and I hope to see both of you in San Diego at IMAST. Yeah, and we look forward to continue the collaboration with all the surgeons with, with, to uh, find solutions for the patients. Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.